हरे कृष्णा बाय द मर्सी ऑफ हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस एसी भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद and our beloved acharyas we are gathered in the holy month of kartik in the holy dham of shri vrindavan as has been said many times Shri Prabhupada's quoting his Guru Maharaj Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada. We should not try to see Krishna. Because we do not have the eyes to see Krishna. but we should try to serve krishna in such a way that he is pleased to see us krishna is not the object krishna is the subject and we are meant to be the objects that krishna is pleased to see premanjana churita bhakti vilochanena brahma samhita tells that unless our eyes are ornamented with love we cannot see krishna and that love is not something we can take it is not something we can by our own efforts attain it is given by krishna when he is pleased with us samsidhir haditoshanam therefore the goal and true purpose in the life of a vaishnav whatever we do whatever we speak as far as possible whatever we think should be for the pleasure of krishna yoga means to unite to harmonize bhakti yoga is the process of harmonizing everything we do in such a way that krishna is pleased when krishna is pleased daivi heshu gunamayi mamamaya turakeya 
Mame Vamye Prabhatyante Maya Medhatarantite. Then he can free us from the illusions of this material energy. And in that state, the nature of the soul is to feel Krishna's infinite love. Krishna tells the nature of a soul that is not covered by illusion. For one who sees me everywhere and everything in me, for that person I'm never lost, nor are they ever lost to me. How to see Krishna everywhere. Srila Prabhupada and our acharyas have taught when we see that everything is Krishna's property, when we see that every living being is a child of Krishna, and we speak, we act, we live according to that understanding, then we're actually learning how to see Krishna everywhere. Somebody asked Srila Prabhupada, how do we see Krishna everywhere? Srila Prabhupada pointed to his spectacles. He said, when you see my spectacles, what do you think? And that person said, I see these are my Guru Maharaja's spectacles. And what do you think? I think of you. And what do you feel? I feel love for you. He said, so similarly, everything is the property of Krishna. Sarvaloka Maheshwaram. Janmatya Sagyataha. In this way, it's not just a theoretical concept. Krishna tells in Gita there is jnana and there is vijnana. There is theoretical knowledge that shows us what is the purpose of life and how to achieve it. But when we follow the path, this is very beautiful background. Maybe I should just let them talk. <laughs> the cows and the bulls. <laughs> so like that. When we follow the path, when we actually apply these principles in our daily life, even if we're very small neophytes and we think ourselves so very fallen. If we just apply these principles of how to try to please Krishna, then Krishna's pleased with us. And however fallen we are, Krishna's Dina Bandhu Jagatpate. He's not only the Lord and Master of the universe, but he's very dear friend, even to the most fallen. 
is dear to everyone. Samoham Sarapaputeshu. Krishna is equal to all, but he reciprocates according to what's best for us. Sometimes it's very difficult to understand the laws of karma and the miseries of this material existence are very often um, overwhelming. How could this be? But for the eternal soul, who's just for a speck of time in a particular body, according to our desires, according to our activities, according to the modes of nature we are implicated by, material nature is working to purify us. And ultimately, in whatever state, when we take shelter of Krishna, Krishna is there to reveal himself to us. We come to Brindavan to seek shelter because that's what pleases Krishna. We seek shelter through how we serve. Shelter doesn't just mean taking. Seeking shelter of Krishna is to absorb ourselves in seva, to serve, to give happiness to Krishna. Krishna speaks Bhagavad Gita and tells us very clearly through the stories and the prayers of Srimad Bhagavatam, everything is revealed. Without understanding it from the great acharyas, from the spiritual masters, we cannot understand it as it is. And Krishna tells in this verse in Gita, by inquiring submissively, by rendering service, by seeking shelter, then our hearts are actually open to receive knowledge and realization. So this is why we come to Brindavan, to seek shelter. Seeking shelter, especially of serving one another, serving the Holy Dham, serving the deity, serving Srila Prabhupada's mission, which is the very root of our spiritual sustenance. And by following the nine processes of devotional service, especially hearing, chanting, and remembering. Maharaj Parikshit when he was cursed to die in seven days he didn't take it as a curse he actually took it as a blessing 
such a devotee. Seven days is not that much. Seven days from now, we'll still be here in this yatra. And about eight days, then people will start leaving. So that's all he had is seven days. And then, sure as death, he will die. And he made a mistake, but it was a very slight, accidental type of mistake. It wasn't intentional. He just became bewildered. He mistreated a great sage. Parekshit Maharaj was the emperor of the world. He was so wealthy, he was young, he had great armies. But when he got this news, he was happy. He was sad that he offended a great sage. But he was happy in the sense that he took it as a blessing. He was actually seeing Krishna, an opportunity. He went to the bank of the Ganga in a place called Sutala, between Delhi and Rishikesh. There's a banyan tree on the banks of the Ganga. And he went there. and decided to fast for the rest of his life. And it was there all the sages, they very happily agreed that Sukadev Goswami should speak. Because there were so many great sages. Narada Muni was there, and Vishwamitra Muni, and Vashishta Muni, and Gautam Rishi, and Practically Parasara Muni, practically every sage that we read about in the scriptures, wherever they were living in the spiritual or material worlds, they all came for that occasion to be with Parikshit Mara. And they chose a 16-year-old boy to speak. Such an opportunity it was. And after many days, when Sukadev Goswami, after completing the first nine cantos, when he came to the tenth canto, and as he was speaking about Krishna's leelas in Vrindavan, Parikshit Maharaj was so enthusiastic. He said, I'm not feeling hungry, I'm not feeling thirsty for any water or any food, I'm, because I'm so filled with the joy of my thirst to hear the narration of Krishna's pastimes. And Sukadev Goswami, he told Parikshit Maharaj, because of your enthusiasm to hear, I am becoming more enthusiastic to speak. 
And he explained that in discussions about Krishna, Krishna Kata, one who speaks, one who hears, and everyone else who's listening, everyone gets purified. And everyone is purifying everyone else. Srila Prabhupada tells a story about a thief. And this thief, he happened to be looking for someone to rob, and he came upon a Srimad Bhagavat Kata. And the speaker was speaking about Krishna's Leela. And he happened to listen and hear about this very young little boy living in Gokul. His complexion was like a monsoon rain cloud. He had beautiful lotus-eyed eyes. And he had beautiful hair that was like Silk circling his moonlike face. His lips were like the red color of the bimba fruit. Every one of his limbs was more beautiful than nectar. His teeth were like pearls. He had a little peacock feather in his hair. And how his mother, Yashoda, every day would dress him with precious ornaments. And he described those ornaments. Now this thief was not so concerned with the description of Krishna, but he was very much concerned with those ornaments. But he listened very carefully to the description of Krishna because he wanted to find him. So he went to Brindaban. He went to Gokul because he was listening very carefully. He was very enthusiastic, incredibly eager. And he was searching, searching, searching for Krishna. And all the while, he didn't want to forget what he looked like. So the whole time he was coming to Vrindavan, he was meditating on his eyes like lotus petals and his, his beautiful peacock feather. He's meditating, meditating. He comes to Vrindavan. And Krishna reciprocates. He wanted to see Krishna so bad that Krishna happened to be right there. And there was the jewels. And Krishna was so soft and so innocent and so tender in every way. He said, please give me your jewels. I don't want to hurt you. Just give me your jewels. Actually, I really need your jewels. Please give me your jewels. You have to give me your jewels. And Krishna said, but my mother put on these jewels, and she will become very angry with me if I give them away, so I can't give them to you. And he started speaking because he was a very grown man, quite intelligent about being a thief. And Krishna was such a little innocent child. And he was trying to reason with Krishna, trying to convince him to give the jewels. And Krishna just kept 
speaking childlike words. And after some time, just by his eagerness, he became attracted to Krishna. He surrendered to Krishna. He became one of Krishna's loving associates for eternity. So Prabhupada tells a story to emphasize the quality of lolyang, eagerness. Eagerness to hear about Krishna. Eagerness to chant the names of Krishna. Eagerness to be with the devotees of Krishna. Eagerness to serve. Yeyatamam prapatyante Krishna reciprocates according to how we surrender. And that eagerness is a very important part of our surrender. Enthusiasm. I remember Srila Prabhupada saying, he was looking at beautiful deities. And he looked at all the devotees in a very crowded temple room. He said, if you are not enthusiastic to hear and chant, then someday you will ask, why has my guru left me with the burden of these deities? Krishna reciprocates in the deity according to how enthusiastic we are to serve him, to please him. And the basis of that is developing our enthusiasm for the association of devotees and in that association to hear the teachings, the names, the glories, and to chant the teachings, the names, and the glories of the Lord. That is what we have come to Brindaban for. And I think today, Many of you went to so many different, very sacred, eternally holy places where Sri Radharani and Krishna are eternally performing their wonderful pastimes. And in this month of Kartik, in the land of Vrindavan, when we absorb ourselves in hearing and chanting about Krishna, Krishna is so very pleased. Sri Radha is so eager to give her blessings in this place at this time. That purification is accelerated for our spiritual progress. Our acharyas and our holy scriptures teach us that once in a day of Brahma, that's over eight billion years, Krishna comes in his original form to perform the pastimes of Vrindavan. Krishna appeared as a little infant baby child, simultaneously in Mahaban Gokul, 
to Nanda and Yashoda in its original form and to Vasudeva and Devaki in the prison of Kamsa in Mathura in an expanded form. And when the two came together here in Gokul Mahaban, the next morning, Nanda Maharaj performed Nandotsava, a wonderful festival to celebrate the birth of Krishna, because Nanda and Yashoda for many years had no child. It was the meditation of everyone in Braj Bhumi that the longing for Nanda and Yashoda to have a child. Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda Mai, they, they loved everyone in Vrindavan so dearly. And everyone loved them. So when the child was born, it was the ultimate festival of celebration. And it was such a festival because no one had any envy. Everyone was everyone's well-wisher. Srila Prabhupada explains that's what the spiritual world means. Vaikuntha is where everyone else is Prabhu and I am servant. Everyone is thinking that way. Everyone's happiness is other people's happiness. And because we're so filled with happiness, we just want to share that happiness for other people's happiness. And if anybody's unhappy, that becomes my unhappiness. So when Nanda and Yashoda had their child, everyone was so happy. In fact, everyone loved Krishna as their own child. Because Krishna saw that there was no envy. Krishna saw that everybody was so happy that Nanda and Yashoda had him as a child. He gave everyone in their hearts, all the elderly gopas and gopis, he gave them the treasure of loving him as their own child. After this wonderful Nandotsav, Nanda Maharaj needed to go with some of the senior gopas to Mathura to pay Kamsa taxes. While he was gone, Kamsa, he sent a Rakshashi, a most cruel-hearted demoness to kill all the children who were being born at that time. She was going town to town, village to village, killing, eating, drinking their blood. She was so wicked. She was a monstrous demon, but she would disguise herself in various ways according to her own 
supernatural powers. And she had already murdered countless babies. And she came to perform her atrocities in Goku. And she heard a little baby was just born. It was no secret. They just had Nandotsub a few days before. She disguised herself as the most beautiful goddess. She actually didn't just disguise herself. She assumed that form. And when she came into Gokul, and came to Nanda Maharaja's home, the gopis were thinking, she must be Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, who's come to bless Krishna. She looked so gentle, so sweet, so beautiful. They had total faith in her. They had so much faith that she walked right up to Krishna and picked him up. Krishna was more dear than life to everyone. Why would they just allow this stranger to pick up Krishna when he's helplessly tiny baby infant? Because they trusted. She's a great person, either the goddess of fortune or a great sage who's come to bless him. She looked at Krishna. And Krishna, he looked at her and closed his eyes. He didn't want to see her because he knew what he would have to do to her. It is described she was like a deadly knife in a very beautifully decorated sheath or covering. She took the little baby, sat down, and put him on her lap. And everyone was so happy. What they didn't know is on her breast was a poison that was so powerful that literally anybody who came close to it would die immediately. It wasn't like these slow poisons. It was, you're just, you come near it, you touch it, you're dead instantly. So cruel. And she put that breast in Krishna's mouth. And Gopal sucked it. Very nice. In fact, he was so attractive that he induced milk to kind of form in her breast. And he sucked it. And he started sucking out the poison. And he kept sucking. 
her life. And as her life was coming out, she was in great pain. And she tried to remove Krishna. But Gopal, you all know what an infant looks like when he's just a few days old. Pretty tiny. And Krishna looked just like that. He was beautiful, though. Most infants, they look... (laughs) From a sannyasi's perspective, you have to be a mother to recognize the beauty of an infant (laughs) when they're just born. But Krishna was really beautiful. He was the supreme source of all beauty for all material and spiritual worlds. But still, his fingers were so little and so tiny and and so soft and fragile looking. You ever look at a brand new little baby, their fingers, you look like if you breathe on them, they could break. And that's the kind of fingers Krishna had. But with those fingers, he squeezed her. And he was actually having fun. And as he squeezed, she was in so much pain. She ran out of the house. She assumed a gigantic form. And she was screaming, child, leave me. And she was screaming so loud, leave me, leave me. It was like thunder multiplied by tens and thousands of times. And Krishna just kept sucking. He kept squeezing until he sucked out her life. And Putana fell down into the forest and for 12 miles She fell on all the trees. And by Krishna's inconceivable yogamaya potency, she happened to run to a big fruit orchard that was Kamsa's. (laughs) Krishna can fulfill so many purposes simultaneously. And when she hit the ground... It was like a massive thunderbolt earthquake. It was the whole earth shook. It was so loud. And you showed him, I seeing her little child gone away like this. She was in complete distress. And the gopis, they ran, they ran up on top of Putana's massive body, and they found Krishna just up there and his hands were like going up and down like he was dancing. He hadn't yet really learned to crawl. And they picked him up and brought him to Yashodamaya and she was so much afraid. What just happened? They were thinking, it must be because of Krishna's piety of being an innocent baby that Lord Narayan saved him. And Yashodamai, to see if Krishna was all right, she fed him the milk from her own body. And when he drank enthusiastically, she understood, he's fine. 
And then they performed so many nice little rituals to protect Krishna. They took hairs from the tail of a cow and they switched it around him and they chanted mantras and they bathed him in various auspicious items. And when Nanda Maharaj and the cowherd men were in Mathura, Nanda Maharaj met Vasudev and Vasudev told him that you should go back to Gokul very soon because something might happen. And when Nanda Maharaj and the cowherd men on their way back, they saw the body of Putana laying there. And then when they found out what happened, they were astounded. They chopped up her body and they burnt it. And the smoke was so fragrant like nectar. Why? Because Krishna drank milk from her. That means she was Mahaprasad. <laughs> Krishna is so special. He made her whole 12 mile body Mahaprasad. Yeah, when they burnt it, it smelled, it's, it, Whoever smelled it became totally purified. And because she offered Krishna the service of a mother, Krishna reciprocated by giving her the liberation of eternally being his own mother in the spiritual world, being a nurse. Uddhava, who was the great prince of Mathura and later Dwarka, who later on would be Krishna's most confidential friend and associate in those places. He offered the beautiful prayer. Who else could I take shelter of than Krishna? Putana came with the most evil, envious intention to kill him. And she had already murdered countless innocent infant babies. And yet because she approached Krishna in a deceiving way as a mother, Krishna accepted her as a mother and gave her eternal liberation in the spiritual world in a personal way of being his own mother. Dinabandhu. Krishna's incredible mercy. And not only that, but Krishna gave liberation to so many members of her family who were as wicked as her. That will come later. When Krishna was just three months old, he just started to rise from his bed. 
by leaning upward like that. And there was a samskara that the Brijabhasis performed to celebrate. Actually, in Vrindavan, anything Krishna would do, they would celebrate. Kind of Vaishnavas have that tendency to find excuse for festivals. <laughs> and the festivals are chanting and dancing and feasting. When Srila Prabhupada started our movement in a little tiny storefront in the East Village of New York City, you know, they decided to have a festival every Sunday. Chanting, dancing, and a big beautiful feast. At the beginning, Prabhupada would cook the whole feast every week, and it would be so nice. People would just come anywhere. So many people began coming one by one by one. There was chanting, there was dancing, beautiful discussion, and prasad. In Vrindavan, everyone loved Krishna, but everyone was so protective of Krishna because he just looked so vulnerable, so ordinary. The sweetness of God <laughs> in Vrindavan. So they would perform these to celebrate what Krishna would do and also to invoke auspiciousness to protect him. So there was a wonderful festival. And part of the festival, there was chanting, there was dancing, there was an Abhishekam, and Yashoda Mai and the elderly gopis were performing the bathing ceremony. During the Nandots of Nanda Maharaj and the gopas were the main persons organizing the bathing. But for the Uthana, which is this ceremony, Yashoda Mai and the elder gopis were predominantly organizing this festival. And there were so many guests. And Yashodamai, even though she was Brajarani, she was the queen of Brindavan, she wanted to serve everyone. She wanted to make everyone happy. She wanted to give everyone gifts. So she was giving gifts and greeting people. And at that time, Krishna looked very sleepy. And so wonderful, her motherly love. When she would put Krishna to sleep, she wanted Krishna to feel completely protected. So she would lay down next to him. And he would feel the loving presence of his mother. And in great happiness, he would fall asleep. And there was a very large cart that was carrying very valuable utensils, various metals and pots. And she put him under that cart. And then she just went a little distance to give gifts to people and to welcome people and to say goodbye to people and all of that hospitality. 
And because, you know, there was Brahmins chanting mantras and there was people singing, Krishna cried, but she didn't hear him. Krishna was thirsty for milk. So as he cried with his tiny little three-month foot, which was softer than the softest petal of a flower, he just kicked it. That's what little babies do. I've seen. <laughs> the little infants, they're laying on their backs. They can't really do anything else. And when they want something, they just kick their legs. Yes? Have you seen? Brahmacharis, you've seen? <laughs> You can see with your ears. <laughs> we, could, we could save so much trouble if we learn by seeing through our <laughs> He, it so happened that one of the great powerful mystics Asuras, demons, that Kamsa sent to kill Krishna and the babies actually took like a ghostly form and entered into that cart. And he was about to crush Krishna. Now when Krishna kicked his foot, it wasn't to kill the demon. It was because he wanted his mother's milk. Just so happened that he killed the demon. <laughs> he knew the demon was there. He wanted to liberate him. But that was not really the purpose of his kick. The purpose of his kick is he wanted his mother's milk. So here is little baby Krishna, just... His longing for his mother's love, because what is that milk that Krishna's thirsty for? It's her love. Yashoda Mai, her intense prema, her ecstatic bhav, is invoking the milk to come out. It's liquid prem. Krishna doesn't need milk, but he's so thirsty for prem, for the love of his devotees. That is the special feature of Krishna in Vrindavan. He's crying for the love of his devotees. Krishna's Atmarama. He's completely self-satisfied. We read about so many of his other incarnations. We read about his tattva as the absolute truth, as Param Brahman. The creator, the maintainer, the destroyer of everything that exists. But the highest, the sweetest, the most 
beautiful way that that supreme absolute truth enjoys is as an ordinary child who's controlled by the love of his devotees. So little baby, I want my mother's milk. Just cried, couldn't even talk. And when he touched the axle of that cart, it broke. And then the wheel dislocated from the axle and the whole cart (laughs) fell to the ground. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) We all need to be encouraged. It made such a tumultuous sound that everybody in Brajbhumi came running to see what happened. And they saw this gigantic cart, which was actually quite famous in Brajbhumi. It, it was in so many pieces. It was on the ground. And right in the middle of it all was little baby Krishna laying there, completely unharmed. Sakatasura, he was liberated. Out of his love for Sakatasura. As Sakatasura is Suhradam Sarvabhutanam, as his very dear most best friend, he liberated him. He freed him from all sufferings forever. He gave him bliss. And Krishna was just laying there, like, what's happening? And the gopas were wondering, how did this happen? They were asking, who, how could this be? This cart is so gigantic, so well built. How is it all of a sudden scattered everywhere? And all the utensils are everywhere else. And some of the little children, they said, oh, we saw what happened. Krishna was hungry for the, he, he was hungry for the milk of his mother, and he cried, and he kicked, and he broke it. And the Brijavasis, what kind of talk is this? Why should we listen to these little children? They don't know. And they reassemble the whole cart. With great effort, they reassembled the cart, and meanwhile, Yashoda Mai and, and, and the other gopis, they began to perform all their wonderful little devotional rituals which were permeated with ecstatic love and the Vatsalya Bhav. And then you know what they did? After they did all the rituals and Krishna drank the milk from his mother so he was all right, she put him back under the cart again. After it was rebuilt, but now there was no demons in it. That's how much faith they had in the blessings of all the Brahmins who blessed Krishna. After some time, 
Krishna and Balaram, who were just born a couple weeks from each other, they began to crawl. How wonderful! Krishna tells in Bhagavad Gita, I am the source of everyone's intelligence, I'm the source of everyone's strength, I'm the source of everyone's everything. But in Vrindavan, just to reciprocate with the love of his devotees and to, in, and to awaken a love that is the deepest, sweetest of all forms of love, Krishna's learning to crawl. And him and Balaram, they were, they, little by little, they would crawl a little faster and a little faster. And sometimes they'd go in zigzag ways, like little snakes. They would drag their feet behind them. Just to please the gopis. They would go in muddy areas due to the milk and the urine of the cows and the calves. And they'd be completely covered with mud. And they'd hear the jingling of ankle bells, because they were on the ground crawling. And Balaram would think, this is Rohini, my mother's ankle bells. And Krishna would think, this is Yashoda, my mo- this is my mother's ankle bells. And they'd go crawling, 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 crawling to their mothers. And then when they'd reach the ankle bells, they'd look up and they'd see it wasn't their mothers and they'd become very much afraid and sometimes they'd cry and they'd start crawling another direction looking desperately for their mothers and Yashoda and Rohini would pick them up and put them on their laps. And when they'd go to feed them milk, sometimes they'd see little tiny teeth starting to grow and they'd be so happy they would count the teeth and keep track of the teeth that were growing. And sometimes Krishna and Balaram, just to give happiness to the gopis, because the gopis, the elder gopis, they would, whatever they were doing, they would leave their house just to watch Krishna and Balaram crawling. It's nothing so beautiful, nothing so attractive. Now we have so many movies and so many special effects and so many types of entertainment and rock concerts and all these things that attract people's attention, but multiply that by hundreds of billions and trillions of times in the purest sense of spiritual happiness. And it can't even compare to the gopi seeing Krishna Balaram crawling in the mud. It's emphasis. They'd see a little calf. A little calf would be sitting, and Krishna and Balaram would each grab a tail of a calf, and the calf would become afraid and jump up and start running, and they would hold on to the tail, and the calf would be running, and Krishna and Balaram were afraid to let go. So they'd be holding on tighter and tighter, and then they'd be dragging through the, through the muddy Chintamani soil of Sri Brajbhumi. And gopis would just be smiling and laughing, 
such a samadhi watching this beauty. And when Krishna was one year old, it was around the time of his first birthday, there was another ceremony, another celebration. And Yashoda Mai was holding Krishna, who was just a baby. And suddenly, mysteriously, Krishna became so heavy that it was impossible for Yashoda Mai to hold him any longer. But at the same time, there were so many guests and so many Brahmins and so many things going on. So she put Krishna down. At that moment, Krishna stages everything in such a special way. He was looking up in the sky. And as a little child, he wanted to go into the sky. Now, how many of you, when you're children or even adults, sometimes have dreams that you could just fly in the sky? Have you ever had that? If you, if you have, say, Haribo. <laughs> whether, you, whether you have or not, we can still say Haribo. So, so Krishna wanted to go into the sky. He wanted a nice ride. Children like to have rides. So just at that moment, he became really heavy because he knew that Trinavarta, another associate of Kamsa, was coming to cause dastardly problems. And Krishna became heavy because he understood that it would be very difficult for Yashoda Mai to deal with Trinavarta. So he wanted to be alone. So Yashoda Mai put him down. She couldn't carry him any longer. And then this Trinavarta came in the form of a whirlwind. He was blowing so hard. Something like that. But it was, the sound of the wind was so loud, it was terrifying. Nobody could hear anything. And the force of the wind was so incredibly violent that the dust of Brindavan all went into the air and nobody could see anything. You couldn't even see an inch in front of your eyes. It was so thick with dust. And in that situation, Yashoda Mai was just thinking of Krishna, and she was crying. And Krishna was thinking of Yashoda, and he was crying. But nobody could hear each other crying because of the the sound of Trinavarta, and nobody could see each other. And Trinavarta lifted up Krishna, 
and took him higher and higher and higher into the sky. What was his motive? To kill and eat Krishna. That was his purpose. He was going to eat Krishna alive. Such a terrorist. And he's taking Krishna high in the sky for this purpose. And after he was way, way, way high in the sky, the dust cleared in Vrindavan, and Yashoda Mai went to where Krishna was put down, and he wasn't there. And she started to cry, and all the gopis came running, and all the gopas came running. They were all searching for Krishna. He was nowhere to be seen. They were all weeping. Yashoda Mai, it describes that she fell down unconscious like a cow that has just lost her calf. And meanwhile, Krishna was really happy. He got such a good view of the world from way up there. And then Krishna, he could understand what was happening to all the residents of Vrindavan. They were all on the verge of death because they couldn't find Krishna. They were all crying and dying and crying and dying. And Krishna wanted to get back to them to give them happiness. So suddenly Krishna... When Trinavarta came to lift him up, Krishna made himself lighter than a feather. And high in the sky, he became so heavy, like a massive mountain. So heavy, like the universe, that Trinavarta, with all of his power and strength, and he was a mighty yogi warrior, he couldn't hold Krishna up anymore. So he tried to throw Krishna down. But Krishna didn't want to be thrown down. So Krishna, like a little boy, appearing to be afraid, he grabbed Trinavarta's neck and squeezed it. He wasn't like taking the form of a great warrior. He was just like a little boy who's afraid to fall, and he just grabbed his neck. And when he grabbed it, Trinavarta was choking and choking with all his force. He was trying to rip Krishna off him, but he couldn't rip it off him. And he couldn't breathe. His eyes started bulging out. And without making a sound, because he was choked, he gave up his life and started falling down. <laughs> Krishna, so expertly, he wanted to make it as dramatic as possible. Because all around Nanda Maharaj and Yashodamai's house, there was so much pasture grounds and so many beautiful forests and so much muddy little lands with a cows would sometimes be, but there was one place that was just solid rock. 
a gigantic solid stone. And Krishna aimed so that Trinavarta fell right on that stone. And his mighty limbs totally disjointed. He was a mess. And little Gopal was just smiling. And the gopis ran and, and got him and brought him to Yashoda Mai. And again, they performed so many nice little rituals so that the Brahmins would, would bless and he would be protected. And each time that he would perform these mighty deeds, displaying his supreme powers, his personality, his qualities, his beauty, his innocence, so much overwhelmed his devotees, they couldn't conceive of him as being powerful. They couldn't recognize that he's the supreme Godhead. They had to think of another reason. It's because of the sins of these demons that they have been killed by their own sinful activities. And because Krishna is innocent and pious, God is protecting him. And it's interesting. Let us take Sakata Sura Krishna, just a little kick as a baby. He didn't extend himself. Vamana Dev, he, ex- he expanded himself to cover the universe in three steps. Varaha Dev expanded so large. Narsingha Dev fought for a whole day a mighty war with Hiranyakashipu. And Krishna, he's giving liberation and sometimes entrance into his own eternal abode to demons as powerful as these without any effort at all. In fact, he does it as if he's playing. He's happy. One day, you showed him I, she put Krishna on her lap and filled with ecstatic motherly love, Krishna was thirsty. So she began to feed him the prem, the ecstatic love, in the form of her milk. Krishna was drinking and drinking and drinking. And then Krishna started to smile. And Yashodamai looked. And as he smiled, he opened his mouth. And she saw the universe in his mouth with mountains and oceans and planets and all living entities. And she was wondering, what is this? How is this? He was actually interfering with her motherly love. Krishna closed his mouth, he smiled, and she completely forgot that it ever happened. Soon, Krishna got a little older, 
along with Balaram, and they began to walk. When they walked, they began their pastimes of stealing butter. Sometimes the gopis, they would love to feed Krishna their yogurt, their butter, their ghee, whatever they had. They would give him anything and everything. But just to give them pleasure, Krishna would go to their homes to steal their butter. Now how could Krishna be a thief? From this perspective, we have to understand that this is simply loving exchange or rasa. Because Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, Krishna is the supreme proprietor of everything that exists. All butter already belongs to him. He's not stealing, but he appears to steal. just to increase the love of his devotees. Makan Chora. So sometimes the gopis, they would come to Yashodamai not to complain, but in the guise of complaining, they wanted to sing the glories of Krishna and Balaram. So they would say to Mother Yashoda, your child, he is so mischievous. Since he started to walk, now he's always with his friends of his same age. And in the early morning, they release the calves. And the calves go running everywhere. And it's before we're even milking the cows. And we have to go and chase after the calves. And while we're gone... Krishna and Balaram know there's nobody in the house. And with their friends, they come and they steal our butter. And sometimes they invite so many monkeys into the house and feed all the monkeys. And other times, in order to protect our butter from Krishna, we put it in clay pots hanging from the ceiling and Krishna gets on the back of his friends and stands up and his little stick and pokes holes in the pots so that the butter will fall. And other times they go to our little babies and pinch them or put water in their ears and make them cry. And as they're crying, Krishna and Balaram and their friends are laughing and laughing and laughing. And sometimes even our husbands, they see that Krishna's stealing and they're right in front of them. It says, Krishna, you're a thief. And Krishna just says, you're a thief. <laughs> and he laughs and he runs away. And sometimes he goes to the cleanest place in our house and he passes urine and stool. 
Now the Acharyas have different interpretations of this. Why would Krishna pass urine in stool? Maybe he would bring the monkeys to do it and pretend that it was him. But even if he did it, Krishna is so pure that anything that is coming from Krishna is completely pure. He doesn't need to do these things. It's all just lila. How many times in your life have you passed urine? How many books have been written about it? How many songs have been sung about it? How many people are weeping in ecstasy thinking about it? But Krishna one time passed urine in the house of a gopi. And 5,000 years later, we're still talking about it. And there's been thousands of bhajans and poems and books about it. And devotees become purified from all the miseries of material existence, just thinking about it, and attain the highest liberation. Krishna's pavitra, he's supremely pure. Whatever he does is completely pure. And they're telling all these stories about Krishna. And they're saying to Yashoda Mayan, look, now we're telling you all these things that he does, and he does this every day with his friends. And he's looking, they're totally innocent. Almost like he's afraid. And as they were telling these stories, they were laughing. For them, it was Krishna Kata. For the gopis, Krishna Kata is complaining against Krishna sometimes. They're just tasting the nectar of the sweetness of Krishna's pastimes and sharing it with one another. And as they're hearing it, they're becoming more and more and more ecstatic. But it's arranged in, the, in, in a social dynamic that's so fascinating and absorbing. And they said, when Krishna, even in the dark, in the early morning when it's dark, their ornaments illuminate the area. And Yashoda Mai said, oh, I'll take off his ornaments. He said, no, no, don't do that, don't do that, please don't. And Yashoda Mai would not get angry at Krishna. But Krishna wanted her to get angry because he wanted to taste the sweetness of her motherly anger. One time, not far from here, on the banks of the river Yamuna, there's a place, Brahmandagat. And there, Krishna performed a lila that is eternally enshrined in the hearts of his devotees. He ate dirt. The cowherd boys, including Balaram, they reported to Yashoda Mai 
we saw Gopal in a secluded place. He ate dirt. Mother Yashoda, her heart broke. For those of you who are mothers, what are you thinking if your little baby's eating dirt? Yashoda Mai was so worried. She said, Krishna, why did you eat dirt? Krishna said, I never ate dirt. Why would I eat dirt? You're feeding me so many sweets and everything else. Why would I eat dirt? And the gopa said, he ate dirt. We saw. <laughs> and Balaram said, yes, he ate dirt. <laughs> you showed him, I said, Krishna, you ate dirt. Krishna said, I didn't eat dirt. She, she said, your friends are saying you ate dirt. He said, they are liars. <laughs> she said, but Balaram, he's your brother. He's your best friend. He's, you are Ramana, and he's Rama. He's enjoying the greatest pleasure because he's always assisting you in all of your enjoyable activities. He would never say a lie against you. If Balaram says that you ate dirt, with all certainty, you ate dirt. And Krishna said, Balaram is not telling the truth. I didn't eat dirt. If you don't believe me, look in my mouth. And Yashodamai said, then you open your mouth. And he, his mouth was so tiny. About this size. And she looked inside, and she was very intent because she was so worried about Gopal's health. Now, there's different opinions whether Krishna ate dirt or not. Some say he didn't. Others say he did. But if he did, Sanatana Goswami said, if he did, <laughs> he had to distract Yashodamai from seeing the dirt in his mouth. And how did he do that? When she looked in his mouth, she saw again the whole universe. She saw all the oceans, all the mountains, all living entities all the planetary systems. She saw the three modes of material nature in their personified forms. She saw all the eight elements in their personified forms. She saw not only the physical universe in all of its details, but all of the subtle energies of the universe. in her little child's mouth. His mouth didn't grow. The universe is limitless in size, and it was all within his little mouth. She was seeing down into his stomach, and there was the whole cosmic manifestation practically. Just like his expansion of Narayan 
from his navel in his stomach comes a lotus flower, and from that all the planetary systems of the universe are created. It's a little Gopal. She looked closer, and she saw Brindaban. <laughs> and she saw Gokul, the forest. And there she saw the Brijabhasis. And when she looked closer, she saw herself looking in Krishna's mouth. She was bewildered. What is this I'm seeing? Am I dreaming? But my eyes are open, so I'm not dreaming. Am I an illusion? No, my, my intelligence is quite stable. I'm not in an illusion. Are the demigods bewildering me? Why would the demigods bother with a little lady like me? Why would they? They, they wouldn't waste their time with that. What's happening? Maybe, maybe what Gargamuni told my during the naming giving ceremony, that my son would be as powerful as Lord Narayan. Maybe he's manifesting the opulences of Lord Narayan. But this is not possible. Because when Krishna's hungry, he cries, and he cries, and he cries, and he won't stop crying till I give milk. And when there's thunder and lightning, then... Krishna will cry and he will become so afraid he'll run to my bed and he'll be crying and, and until I embrace him, he, he, he will not be consoled. And not only that, but he tells lies. <laughs> what kind of sage is this? What kind of Narayan is this? Let Gargamuni or let anybody else say whatever they want to say, but they don't know anything. I know that Krishna is my son and he is my mother and Krishna knows that I am his mother and he is my son and that's the only truth that matters. This is the way she was reasoning. Even after seeing everything she was seeing, it could not overcome her motherly love. And then she started getting philosophical. that I'm thinking that I'm, this, I'm the wife of Nanda Maharaj. I'm the queen of Brindavan. And all these cows and all these gopas and all these gopis are my subjects. This is all an illusion. The Supreme Lord Narayan the only way that we can come out of this illusion is we must take shelter of him. So while seeing the universe in Krishna's mouth, she became very reverential to take shelter of Lord Narayan. And when Krishna saw her in that mood, he was not happy. 
because he was thirsty for her love. So he closed his mouth and the universe disappeared. And the charming sweetness of his smile so much overwhelmed Yashoda Mai with motherly love that she embraced little Krishna and fed him her milk, never to remember this again. One time Krishna was stealing butter in the house of Nanda and Yashoda. And as he was stealing the butter, there was a jeweled pillar. And he saw his own reflection on the jeweled pillar. And he started talking, he started chastising his reflection. He said, I'm not stealing butter. He said, actually, don't tell my mother that you saw me stealing butter. I promise you, if you don't tell my mother, I'll share the butter with you. <laughs> and Yashoda Mai was at a little distant place watching all of this. <laughs> and she was so happy, she was smiling. And she came into the room and Krishna had his hands full of butter. And Krishna, as soon as he saw his mother, he said, I'm not stealing butter. I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. He's a thief. <laughs> and he pointed to his reflection in the pillar. He said, he, he came to steal butter. And I told him, you cannot steal this butter. And I tried to prevent him from stealing butter. And he became very angry with me. And to protect your butter, I became very angry with him. But I didn't steal any butter. And another time Yashodamai was just out in the courtyard and she happened to see Krishna with his hand in butter pot, eating butter. And she came in the room and Krishna said, I'm not stealing butter, I'm not stealing butter. <laughs> she said, then what are you doing? He said, my bangles have rubies on them. You put the bangles on me. I didn't put them on. You put the bangles on me, and these rubies are so hot, they're burning me. So I had to put my hand in the butter pot to cool from the burning experience. Ah, She was so proud of Krishna. He's so intelligent. She took Krishna's hand out of the butter pot and she took off the bangles and started kissing his hand and saying, I won't put any more rubies on you because I don't want to burn your hands anymore. Shukadev Gotwami tells in Srimad Bhagavatam, the nature of Yashodamai's love for Krishna and how that love controls Krishna. 
He said, even Lord Brahma, even Lord Shiva, even the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi, who's inseparable from the supreme personality of Godhead, none of them have ever received such mercy as Mother Yashoda. On this day of Diwali, still Diwali, <laughs> early in the morning, Yashoda Mai went to personally churn the yogurt to make butter for Krishna for several reasons. One is that her assistants were busy doing other things that day, and especially because Krishna was stealing butter, dahi, from the various neighboring gopis, and Yashoda Mai was thinking, why is he not satisfied with the butter in our house? She did everything to make Krishna happy. Nanda Maharaj had 900,000 cows. And among these cows, she took the very, very best cows. And she grew special grasses. And she watered those grasses with the, with the milk of the best of the cows. And she did all of this personally. And from there, there were just a few cows that ate those grasses, and their milk was ambrosial with fragrance. So sweet, so nectarine. And it was that milk that she would make into yogurt, dahi, and churn into butter. And it was that milk she made all preparations for Krishna. She was trying to do everything and anything to make Krishna happy with the butter at home. She was thinking that I should, I should churn and make the butter myself personally so I could put my full love into every every stage of its preparation. So early in the morning, she saw little baby Gopal. He was now, he was a little child, and he was sleeping very soundly. She kissed his forehead, and she went to churn the yogurt. As she was churning, she sang songs about her beloved child. Because every day, whatever Krishna would do, the Brijabhasis would write songs about it. They wouldn't write it, they would sing it. And there were so many, she was singing how Krishna liberated 
how Putana came to get Krishna and Krishna was saved by Putana and how Krishna was crawling and all the things that just every little detail of Krishna's all attractive life she was singing about and as she was singing tears were welling in her eyes and her bangles were were keeping were chiming to keep the rhythm with her singing of the songs about Krishna. And as she was remembering her beloved Gopal, her motherly love caused milk to uncontrollably be flowing from her breast. And that made Krishna hungry. So Krishna woke up. When that milk flowed, it was her love, and Krishna wanted to receive it. So Krishna jumped out of his bed. He ran to Yashodamai. He jumped on her lap. He grabbed the churning rod and looked at her like, this is not the time for you to be churning. This is the time for you to be giving me your milk. So she put down the churning rod. She embraced Krishna, and he began to drink. And as she was gazing at Krishna's childlike face, smiling and drinking the milk, she was overwhelmed with love. Suddenly, in another room, she heard the milk she was boiling flowing over. This was that Pushpaganda sacred milk. She was making preparations for Krishna's pleasure. So she very gently said to Krishna, I'm putting you down because I have to protect this milk that's meant for you. And it was only going to take a few seconds. So she put down Krishna and she ran to the place to take the milk off the stove. Krishna was thinking, why is she putting any priority over giving me her milk? And he took a stone that was meant for grinding spices and he broke the clay pot where the yogurt was being churned. And then he ran into the next room. And in the next room, he saw a pot of butter hanging from ropes from the ceiling. And there was a wooden grinding mortar for grinding. And Krishna climbed up on that and reached into the pot of the butter and started eating it. And then he called his friends, the monkeys. And I think we all have experience of monkeys here in Vrindavan. They're very enthusiastic. They're enthusiastic to take anything they can. What to speak if Krishna is personally inviting them to take butter from his own hands? And our acharyas tell that some of these monkeys, they were actually the monkeys that helped Ram to build the bridge across the Indian Ocean to Sri Lanka and to fight against Ravana. And at that time, 
Ramchandra was in exile, so he really didn't have much to give them in return. So he called them into his Krishna Leela so he could personally feed them butter. And these monkeys were very happy eating the butter and eating the butter. Meanwhile, Yashoda Maya, after she took the pot off the stove, she came back and Krishna was not there. Rather, she saw the pot was broken. And she smiled. And she saw there were buttermilk footprints of Gopal. And she followed those buttermilk footprints. And she picked up a little stick because, you know, Krishna shouldn't be breaking things. She wanted to just teach Krishna a lesson by showing him a stick. So she followed the butter footprints into the next rooms. And there she saw Gopal on the grinding mortar, taking handful after handful of butter and feeding the monkeys. And so many monkeys, they were eating and eating and enjoying like anything, and Krishna was enjoying like anything given to them. But at the same time, she was hiding and just watching. She saw Krishna's eyes were afraid, looking this way and that way that he would not be caught. The monkeys saw Yashodamai with a stick. Now those of you who are in Vrindavan for some time, you know monkeys don't like sticks. So when they saw Yashodamai had a stick, they all started very much afraid. They were jumping out the windows and jumping into trees and jumping everywhere and Krishna was looking around, what's happening, what's happening? And then he saw Yashodamai very quietly sneaking up to catch him. Krishna jumped off the grinding mortar, ran. Yashodamai ran after him. He was running in so many different directions and she was following right behind him. Who could catch Krishna? He's faster than the fastest. Even the greatest yogis through lifetime and lifetime and lifetime of tapasya, they cannot catch the supreme truth. And even the greatest jnanis, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, they can never understand the supreme truth. Because it is an eternal truth that only when Krishna by his own sweet will, reveals himself to us, can we know him as he is. Krishna tells it is only through pure loving devotion that I can be understood as I am.
So Yashoda Mai was running after Krishna and she could not catch Krishna. But in her motherly love, she was only trying to catch Krishna to protect him, to teach him. And flowers were falling from her hair. Her sari was becoming loosened. She was becoming very tired, but she would never give up. And when Krishna saw the effort of his mother, he allowed himself to be captured. Yashodamai took him by the hand and she showed him the stick. And Krishna cried. <laughs> His body was trembling. The kajal mascara that was on his eyes were being mixed with his tears and running down his face and his body. And he wanted his mother to wipe his tears like she always would, but now she didn't because she had one hand with a stick and one hand was holding her hand. So he had to, with his own hands, he was rubbing his tears. In the Dhammadharastakam, Satyabrat Muni is singing about this beautiful scene. And in the Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, Queen Kunti, she's remembering this, that the supreme absolute truth, the, the personality of Godhead, the source of Brahman Paramatma, the source of all incarnations, Krishna, who showed his universal form to Arjuna, that Krishna who's feared by fear personified, is afraid of his mother. Is he pretending to be afraid? Our scriptures and our acharyas are telling, no, he's actually afraid. But his fear is not like our fear. His fear is simply because he's so overwhelmed with the love of his devotee, of Yashoda, to nourish her love, he becomes afraid. And to taste the sweetness of her love, he becomes afraid. This is rasa. It's a truth that's beyond logic, beyond reason of anything of this material existence. It's the science of love. And Vrindavan is the place which is the pinnacle of this love. Yashodamai she says to Krishna why did you break the pot and why are you feeding monkeys my butter and Krishna said please put down that stick <laughs> and, 
See, he's trembling. So Yashoda Mai doesn't want to make him too afraid. She just wants to emphasize proper behavior to him. So she threw the stick away. And she said, why, did, why are you a thief? Krishna said to Yashoda Mai, you are coming from a whole lineage of thieves. She said, why are you feeding? This is all your butter I'm making for you. Why are you feeding to monkeys? And she said, because you're making friends like monkeys, you are like a monkey. And Krishna said, if that's what you think, then I will go into the forest and I will stay there just like the monkeys. And she became afraid. He might actually do that. So she decided for Krishna's protection, she would tie him up because he, she had other duties to perform and nobody else was home at the time. So she took a rope, very soft silken rope that's used to churn the butter. And she went to put it around Krishna's waist to tie him to the grinding mortar because the grinding mortar was part of his, was an accomplice in his stealing butter. But she found it was the width of two fingers, too small. So she went and got more rope and tied it to the original rope. And still it was two fingers width too short. And then she got more rope, the kind of rope that was used, very soft rope to sometimes tie the calves. And however much rope she tied to the other ropes, it was the same two fingers too small. And the great miracle is Krishna's waist was not growing. It remained the same little child's waist. And the ropes were getting longer and longer and longer. One meter, two meters, three meters, 10 meters, 20 meters, 50 meters. And it was still two fingers width too short to go around Krishna's waist. And soon the other neighboring gopis were bringing all the ropes from all their homes and practically all the ropes of the villages were being tied together. It was a festival of ropes. <laughs> and the gopis were watching this and they were laughing and laughing and laughing and they said to Yashoda, Give up this attempt. Don't you see? It's not Krishna's destiny to be tied up today. Yashoda Mai, she said, no, I must tie him up. I must protect him. And besides that, I'm really curious to know how much rope it takes to put around my little child's waist. And as she so determined... The malati flowers were falling from her hair. Her sari, which was beautiful, like saffron-colored yellow, was 
becoming disheveled. She was perspiring. And Krishna saw how much she was becoming fatigued. And just to reveal to the world for all time to come that he is controlled by the love of his devotee. He was willing to personally be tied up by Yashoda. The truth, the highest of all truths, Bhaktavatsal, the Supreme Controller, Tumi Sarveshwareshwara, finds his greatest happiness by being controlled by the love of his devotee. And Yashodamai is the supreme personification of Vatsalya Bhav, of parental love. Krishna was bound by that love, subordinate to that love. And then Yashodamai said, now you be here, be happy, I must do my duties. And he left. She left. Krishna. He called some of his little friends to join him. And they were all, Krishna, what are we going to do now? They wanted to play. So Gopal started to crawl. And with the rope, he was pulling the grinding mortar behind him. He crawled into the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj, and near the gateway, there were two enormous trees, Arjuna trees, deep-rooted trees. Those trees had been standing there for thousands of years. Krishna crawled right in between them. But he crawled in such a way that the wooden grinding mortar that was tied to him got stuck. So he just pulled a little more and the trees were uprooted. Krishna didn't even show any strain. He was just crawling like a little child just crawling. It was so loud, uprooting the trees, and they fell to the ground. Everyone in Brindaban fell unconscious. It was like an earthquake. It was such a, a tumultuous, roaring sound, the falling of these trees. Except Krishna and his friends. They were all just laughing and watching, and his friends were watching in amazement. Vananda and Yashoda 
and the other gopas and gopis found out what happened, they were shocked. They were so worried. They came running. And when Nanda Maharaj saw little Krishna right between these giant trees, completely untouched, he asked the boys, what happened? How could these trees, we've been watched, these trees were here long before we were born. How did they fall down? There was no windstorm, nobody cut them down, there were no giant elements, elephants ripping them down. How possibly did these trees just fall? And the little boy said, Krishna, Krishna pulled the grinding mortar and made them fall. And they did not believe this is possible. But Yashoda Mai was feeling so guilty. She couldn't even come anywhere near the scene. I tied Krishna and just see what happened. His life was in such risk. Nanda Maharaj untied Krishna. and lifted Krishna up. And soon Balaram came and Rohini Devi came. And Nanda Maharaj, he asked Krishna what happened. Krishna said, your mother tied me up. And Nanda Maharaj, he said, well, would you like to go to your mother? And Krishna said, no, I want to be with you. So he doesn't want to be with his mother. What to do? Nanda Maharaj took him. It was still early morning. He took him to where the cows were getting milked. And he gave Krishna fresh milk from the cows. It took Krishna on his lap. And he kept... Krishna and Balaram throughout the day with him. They took prasad together. And Nanda Maharaj would keep asking Krishna, would you like to go be, to be with your mother? No, I don't want to see my mother. And in the evening, Rohini Devi came where Krishna was sitting on the lap of Nanda Maharaj. And she said, Yashoda is suffering terribly all day. She can't eat. She's feeling so guilty that she did this to Krishna. Please, Krishna, your mother is longing for you to be with her. Krishna, I don't want to see my mother. She tied me up. And Rohini was brokenhearted. Nanda Maharaj said, Krishna, aren't you hungry for your mother's milk? And Krishna said, no, I want to be drinking the milk of the cows. And some of the elder gopis, Krishna's aunties, they said, Krishna, without your mother, who will play with you? He said, my father. Nanda, and Balaram will join us. When the news came to Yashoda Mai that Krishna 
was so upset that he didn't want to see her. She was suffering so deeply in her love and feeling so guilty. What have I done to my son? And Rohini was explaining the whole condition of Yashodamai and Nanda Maharaj with Krishna on his lap. He said, Gopal, your mother is in such a condition and indicated she's about to die. And when Krishna heard that, he ran to, to Rohini, bring me to my mother. And Rohini brought, him, brought little Gopal to the house Yashodamayu was staying. And Krishna was crying. Mother, mother, I'm here. Yashodamayu was crying, Gopal, Gopal. And they ran into each other's arms. Yashodamayu embraced Krishna and happily weeping tears of ecstatic motherly love as Krishna was weeping tears of love for his mother. He drank her milk and they were happy. Meanwhile, the gopas were saying, when those trees fell, these beautiful personalities came out of the tree who were as bright as fire. And they offered prayers to Krishna. And then they went away. Krishna blessed them and they went away. Nobody could understand, nobody could believe. Sukadeva Goswami tells me these were the two sons of Kuvera, Nala Kuvera and Manigriva. But we will discuss that another time. In essence, they were great demigods who had so much power and so much beauty. They were the sons of the treasure of the Devatas, Kuvera. They had high wealth, beautiful bodies. They were very strong. They were very learned. And they felt themselves to be enjoyers. They were enjoying with some beautiful heavenly damsels in a lake. And Narada Muni came. And they did not show respect to this great sage. Naranamuri, seeing their pathetic situation, false pride is so often the very root of material entanglement. And when we have false pride, when we have fame, when we have beauty, when we have power, and we think this is mine, we think that we have the right to disrespect 
saintly people, or for that matter, anyone. Narada Muni blessed them with a curse to become trees, where they had nothing. Not only did they have nothing, they couldn't even move for thousands of years. But they happened to be in Krishna's courtyard where they could see Krishna's pastimes and ultimately become purified and attracted. Two things happened simultaneously. One is their false pride was removed, and therefore they could actually appreciate and develop a taste for hearing, chanting, and witnessing Krishna's lila. They surrendered to Krishna. And their only prayer, their only desire was pure, unalloyed devotional service. And Krishna bestowed that upon them. So in this beautiful Leela, Krishna has taught so many lessons. Krishna... performs these leelas in Gokul as a little child to reciprocate with the love of his devotees, the Brijabhasis, and to give a record spoken by Sukadev Goswami and other great sages and rishis and Vaishnavas so that simply by hearing these pastimes with enthusiasm, with humility, with eagerness, we become purified. Srila Prabhupada and our acharyas tell that Krishna's absolute, these wonderful stories are non-different than the historical event, which is their origin. When we become absorbed in hearing these stories, we're actually witnessing Krishna's eternal pastime. And even if we're not in that absorption, simply by sincerely and eagerly hearing we gradually become purified and our taste, our attraction for Krishna grows. Shushushro shadadanasya vasudeva kataruji syan mahatsevaya vibra pundya tirtana sevana. Srimad Bhagavatam tells when we get a true taste for hearing and chanting about Krishna, Krishna is so pleased that we have that taste, that from within the heart, he cleanses all the anartas, the unwanted things, and ecstatic love awakens. In this verse it is said that that taste for hearing about Krishna is only possible when we sincerely, with humility and gratitude, when we serve the great devotees. 
By serving the great souls, Krishna is so pleased that he gives us that taste for hearing about him. And through that taste, he reveals himself. Oma pavitra pavitro vasarva vistam gatopiva yasmaret pundarikaksham sabhaya suchi. Krishna is supremely pure. His pastimes are not different from him. His names are not different from him. His qualities are not different than him. By being absorbed in hearing and chanting, we become purified. But that true absorption is only possible when Krishna rewards it. And Krishna bestows that blessing when we are sincerely in the mood of the servant of the servant of the servant of the Lord's devotees. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu established this principle. Gopi Bhartur Padakamalayora Das 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 Anudas. In Vrindavan Lila, Krishna is the servant of every devotee. He's serving the calves, he's serving the cows, he's serving the peacocks, he's serving the parrots, he's serving the bushes and the trees and the gopas and the gopis and the brahmins and everyone. And everyone is serving each other for the pleasure of Krishna. And Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya's Lila is that spirit. Trinada pisunichena, turor ibasihishnuna, amanina manadena kirtaniya sadahari. Through this humble service attitude, Krishna is pleased to give us a taste to chant his holy names. Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. The supreme benediction for all living beings is that Krishna has descended in his holy names. Kaler dosanide rajanastihe kumahad guna kirtanad eva krishnasya mukta sanka param braje. The age of Kali is an ocean of faults. And I think we all have enormous experience of the faults of this age of Kali within our own minds, in the world around us, locally, nationally, internationally, the universe. But in this age of Kali, there's a great benediction. Krishna has descended in his name. And through this beautiful lesson of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Trinadapi Sunichena, we understand how we can open our hearts to receive this supreme benediction 
of Harinam Sankirtan. Thank you very much.